Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let me tell all of you a little bit about FreshBooks, who aside from jumping on the PDOcast bandwagon and so generously sponsoring the show, have one other thing going for them. They've recently unveiled a brand new user-friendly interface that's made running a small business and working as a freelancer, like I do myself, easier than ever before. As an online accounting service, FreshBooks is designed to save you time and help you keep all of your checks and balances in order, whether that's by helping you to create professional-looking invoices in a matter of moments, keeping a list of your expenses so that you don't have to keep using that old shoebox full of receipts, or just tracking how long you've spent working on various projects so you know what to bill your employers for. The best part, FreshBooks is now offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to all of my listeners. To claim it, just go to FreshBooks.com slash PDOcast and enter Hockey PDOcast in the How You Heard About Us section. That's FreshBooks.com slash PDOcast. Progressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey PDOcast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDOcast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich and joining me is my good buddy, Andrew Berkshire. Andrew, what's going on, man? Not much, Dimitri. Excited to talk to you this morning. Yes, we uh, we've been planning this one for a while. We uh, you've been doing some great work on Sportsnet, releasing your uh, your list of top tens. I know that people out there love lists for whatever reason. I guess it's easy to kind of consume and then come back with your own. They're generally pretty subjective, so they kind of um, they warrant good conversation, good back and forth amongst hockey fans. Yeah, they're they're good conversation starters and good uh, rage inducers, I think, as well. Yes. Yeah, why isn't my player higher than, than, than he is on your list? That's, I'm sure, a common thing that you got from these. Well, absolutely. And as I explained to everyone, if uh, the player that, your favorite player wasn't on my list or wasn't high enough on my list, it's because I hated you personally and your team especially. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. Um, so we're going to start off with centers. Um, and we'll see how it goes. If we run long, we'll, we'll break this off into another podcast, but we, uh, we're going to start off with the down the middle, which makes sense because looking at the list, um, the players to choose from here, I mean, you did a top 20 and it was, it was tough cutting it off at 10 because my, I, I made like a short list of honorable, honorable mentions below and there are some pretty good players on there. So, uh, we're definitely not short on talent here. Yeah. Centers and defense are the two positions where it's like, the toughest competition it's just it, even like at 20 i was like man this guy's not in there this guy's not in there it's like matt deshane didn't make my top 20 steven stamkos didn't make the top 20 by the numbers those were like crazy omissions to me but 
it's just the way it worked out. Hmm. So if you could do it all over again, would you put Austin Matthews at number one? <laughs> Obviously. Uh, I don't know. Like it, It's tough to say that he's not going to be top 20 this year after that performance. Like I don't know what it is about the start of this year, but like, do you remember last year being anywhere close to starting with that kind of excitement? Like, It seems like every young player the first two days of the season scored in their debut. Yeah. Like, it, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's been really fun to watch, and uh, we desperately need it. I feel like all of last season in general was pretty pretty slow, and, and I forget how long it took, but a few, I guess a few weeks in, we were all kind of having that debate about increasing goal scoring and how we can make the game funner. So we definitely weren't at, at this point. Yeah, no bigger nets talk yet. Yes, thank God. Um, so one kind of caveat I did want to mention was that I, I did include Connor McDavid on mine uh, just because I felt that it would be weird to make this list without including him just because he is such an amazing talent. But uh, I know that you didn't include him in yours just because of the kind of sample size uh, and, and and just not really know, knowing where to kind of include him on that list because of that, which is which is totally fair. I just wanted to kind of announce that discrepancy in our list before we get started. Yeah, although I like, I'm going to change my list a little bit from what I had on Sportsnet, and I'm also going to include Connor McDavid okay. because it's, it's impossible to not. Good. Okay, so let's go with let's start off. Let's count down from ten to one. Uh, since you're the guest, I'll let you start off, and we'll kind of go back and forth and see where where we where we agree and where we have our differences. All right, you want to start ten and then ten, yeah. or do, okay. yeah, go just go just go ten go ten maybe list off the first guy there, and then we'll we'll, we'll get going. All right, my tenth best center in the league is Jonathan Taves. Ooh. I see. I had I had him as an honorable mention, just missing the cut, which just says Ooh. a lot about this list and how how good the players are. But um, I, I can I feel like people can kind of kind of get a little carried away with the uh, Jonathan Taves hate, just like they can with the Drew Doughty stuff, where it's like, you know, we get this intangibles talk and leadership stuff shoved down our throats so much by the older older school mainstream media i guess both you and i are technically mainstream media now that we work with sportsnet but uh the older school mainstream media where they talk about all this stuff these guys do and how it makes them the best and we kind of it's our nature to push back a little bit and sometimes we can kind of get carried away and and it can kind of come off as oh we think that jonathan taves actually sucks but really he doesn't he's he's pretty good at hockey yeah i totally agree And, and like that's like the kind of thing that I, I don't know if it's unique to the internet or or what, but it seems like if whenever you're comparing two guys, if you say one guy's better, mm-hmm. the assumption is the the other guy is terrible. And you know, like there's a big push of uh, Jonathan Taves being better than Crosby for the last couple years now, and the analytics community being like, no, 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 that's ridiculous, was seen as saying Taves is terrible. Well, obviously Taves is not terrible. You know, like anybody who watches him play knows that, but he's also not the best player in the world. And I think that's pretty readily apparent. And like, I asked a question during the world cup on Twitter, who was better Jonathan Taves or Patrice Bergeron. And there was such this like huge split, almost 50, 50 of like people who were heavily into stats and people who weren't. And like that, it's weird because Taves is a great analytics player too, but everybody who was into the numbers was going Bergeron and everybody who wasn't was going Taves completely on intangibles. Mm Mm-hmm. But like, does anybody think that Patrice Bergeron doesn't have good intangibles? Like, it, yes, <laughs> so weird. Yeah, it's it's pretty weird. Um, so I had I had Claude Giroux as ten on my list, and uh, I I think that might be a little surprising to some people. Not not that you know that we think that Claude Giroux is really good. I just I don't know. I'm just a huge fan of his game, and I feel like 
it, it's it's weird to me a little bit that he doesn't necessarily get the love that he deserves considering the market he plays in and how exciting a brand of hockey they play but for whatever reason it feels like he kind of slips under the radar a little bit so i had him just barely making my list but honestly like the difference between him and the four or five guys that just missed the cut was so close that it was pretty much like a subjective just kind of coin flip yeah and i think that's something that is important to bring up like once you get to a certain point especially for like centers or defensemen there's like five or six guys that are basically tied so you're just like choosing the guy that you yeah, like most. i like this guy a little bit more yeah exactly exactly um so okay who do you have uh let's go number nine i have number nine on my original list it was tyler sangan but i bumped down ryan Getzlaff to number nine and the reason why is simply like I'm thinking more towards who's going to be better and gets laugh is a little bit older. So I bumped him down a little bit. But man, physically dominant guy. He's not the fastest skater, but he gets everything done somehow. Like it, his hockey sense is just ridiculous. Insane playmaker. And when he does decide to shoot, which is rare, that shot's like top 10 in the league, his wrist shot, it's just incredible. Yeah. So I think he's a guy who can just do everything. And for whatever reason, he doesn't really get a lot of credit for his defensive play, but that guy is an incredible defensive hockey player. Yeah, no, he he definitely is. He He's sort of... Uh, right, he's he's involved in everything. He's got his hand involved in, in everything that the Ducks do, and I think it's cool um, the way his careers progress. Because I remember for a while there in sort of the late two thousands, um, I, I don't I don't want to necessarily say that he was struggling, but he was definitely missing a lot of time with injuries. It felt like, and I feel like his career could have gone a different way, but he's really been pretty healthy since then, and and just been amazing. And him and Corey Perry have obviously been, I think, what like one of the best three or four uh, one-two punches in the league since then. So it's, uh, listen, you don't have to sell me on Ryan Getzlaff. I'm pretty high on him. I have him eight <laughs> and I have Tyler Sagan nine. So I'm, I'm kind of right there with you in terms of those two guys being like, I could have easily had Sagan eighth and, and, and Getzlaff ninth. It's just one, another one of those personal preference things. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, Sagan is just incredible. Uh, obviously he's not the defensive stalwart that a lot of guys that want at their number one center position, but his offensive game is just like, I don't think people realize yet that he's basically like level with Crosby the last three years in terms of offensive production. Like I know part of it is playing with Ben and like the two of them kind of feed off of each other, just like the Sedins do. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's like a, a knock on him, right? Like being able to feed off of another talented player like that is, you know, a measure of talent. So I actually have uh, Sagan at number eight. Yeah, and I also think that it's a good point to bring up here. Um, I was just kind of wondering, I'm sure people will ask what our sort of methodology was in terms of what we value from from these guys, especially at the center position. And and it, it obviously is a little bit of everything, right? Like you're, you're not going to see many guys on this list that are super one-dimensional and just do only one thing because they're the best players in the league and, and sort of all this stuff kind of ties together. But I think that once you're talking about the cream of the crop, the guys that are just the truly elite scorers will get... I'm, I'll generally kind of side be in their favor just because... Uh, we just had this discussion about how it's it's tougher to generate goals in the league these days, and and the guys that can really make a difference and move the needle like that are just so invaluable. Yeah, I completely agree, and and that's something that like I think you can drop Tyler Sagan into any situation, and he's going to produce like eighty points. You know, like it was funny when I was making my list, and I think it was uh, the right wingers and the centers. Some of the top guys were all players that the Bruins had given away for free. And I, I wondered if Bruins fans were going to read those lists. And it was like, 
you know, uh, Blake Wheeler was one of the top right wingers. I think he was fifth. Tyler Sagan is a top 10 center. And then uh, also Riley Smith actually made the top 20 right wingers due to his defensive play. And I was like, the poor Bruins, man. Like, I know they got Rich Peverly for a little bit from Blake Wheeler, and he was a good player, but not even close. And then Riley Smith, that trade was brutal. And Tyler Sagan, of course, was... You know, in a special kind of brutal trade. Well, I know there's a there's a kind of a pushback to the uh, to the the tanking crowd, and I feel I know there's an anti-tanking contingent that it sort of disrespects the game and stuff. And I feel like their best argument would be, well, you don't necessarily need the draft at the top of the draft to get an elite talent. You can always just call the Bruins and see if they'll give you one. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so I've been working on that one for a while. Um, all right, number seven. Who do you uh, who do you have here? My number seven, this was a toss-up for me uh, because it was uh, basically age versus experience or age versus uh, trying to balance whether or not age was the determining factor or just like pure, uh, how am I going to put this, dominance, right? So I actually had John, John Tavares there. And I was arguing about whether or not to put Thornton below him, but I had to put Thornton ahead of him. And the reason why is just because Thornton's goal dominance over the last few years is unbelievable. And But to talk about uh, John Tavares, man, I think people realize during the World Cup how good this guy actually is. And everybody knew that, you know, he's a goal scorer or whatever. But anybody who remembers, like, when he was drafted, the big knock on him was skating. And he, he wasn't very fast. He wasn't very agile. That does not exist anymore. That guy is an incredible skater and like super powerful skater too. And he's got the dangles to put anybody, you know, on their, on their butts, break some ankles. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have Tavares six and I have Thornton seven. So kind of we're, we're thinking along the same page and, and for Tavares, he was amazing in the world cup. I think that even before then uh, a reminder of how good he is, is was his, was the, the playoff run he had for the Islanders where they, where they beat the, the Panthers and then, lost pretty quickly to the lightning but it was just sort of a reminder of what he's individually capable of because there has been a lot of turmoil and a lot of uncertainty around him in terms of his line mates and obviously Pozo left this summer and they brought in Ladd and and then trying to find the right fit with him but the sort of the whole point of the story is that Tavares it doesn't really matter who's playing with him he'll probably be very productive and, and he's an amazing player yeah absolutely I mean when you have a guy like Tavares and you're confident in putting Jason Chimera on the first line just because you know Tavares can carry anyone. Mm-hmm. That's that's quite the boon. Not that putting Chimera on your first line is a good decision that yes. I'm going to defend, but uh, he, the fact is he's kind of like Crosby in a way that he can make anybody look good. And I think that was one of the big knocks on Okpozo, right? It's everybody was nervous whether or not he was just a function of Tavares, which I, I'm not sure that he is. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But Tavares is just like, there's nobody in this league who's better within like five feet of the net than John Tavares, his stick handling is just ridiculous. And I swear you, you could give him the puck on the goal line and he could hit the crossbar with it. And then like the elevation that he can put on his shot is ridiculous. Yeah. And it's amazing. I was having this discussion with someone the other day where it was about Nathan McKinnon, who, you know, people sometimes forget just how amazing he, he is and, and how highly regarded he was coming into the league because there's been so many of these new guys that have come in since and he's sort of been pushed down uh, our radar. And, and Tavares is a little similar in that regard. I, it's it's easy to forget now. It's been so many years that we were all so excited about him coming into the league and, and, and all the buzz about it. And and uh, whether it's been because he's been playing for an Islanders team that hasn't been very successful for a few years, although now they've kind of turned the corner a little bit or, or what. But it's he's never really on the forefront of our minds for whatever reason. 
reason, but he definitely belongs amongst these sort of top 10 centers right here. Yeah. And I wonder if there's, you know, some push for, for him or like a, like a negative impact that he was in the public eye for so long. Cause when he was 15, you know, people were talking about him being the next great player, you know, uh, when he played for in junior, they were saying like, he's the next Eric Lindros style talent in terms of goal scoring. And, you know, his, his junior career didn't actually like ascend. He kind of went down a little bit each year. So that kind of like took some wind out of his sails in terms of hype. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like he never totally regained that. Like, there was arguments that he shouldn't have even been the first overall pick during his draft year, which I know happens every year, but obviously in retrospect is kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, no, Tavares is awesome. And and before we get into our top five, we should give Joel Thornton a little bit of love because he was pretty high on both of our lists and, and absolutely deservedly so. And it's amazing that at this point of his career, just given the age and, and the miles that he's still so good, but he's, He's amazing at everything, and I, I know that you were heavily beating the the Joel Thornton should get serious uh, Selkie appreciation last season, and, and deservedly so because he was just he was just on another level. It felt like whenever he was on the ice, the, the the Sharks were not only controlling the puck in terms of shot attempts, but also just like no pucks were going into their net. It was all going the other way. So it's uh, no Joel Thornton is still still a heck of a player. Yeah, and I got some pushback last year and people saying PDO, but then like when you expand the sample size to three seasons, I I believe that Thornton is still the best relative goals for percentage center in the NHL, mm-hmm. which is, you know, at in his late 30s yes. is just incredible, especially when you think that when he's not on the ice, you've still got Logan Couture out there. It's not like he's playing on a team that they're just like giving him the easy minutes. Like Thornton's getting the toughs and he's got players of not equal talent, but close to right behind him on the depth chart. Yep. Like the things that he's able to accomplish. And as much as I have huge respect for Joe Pavelski, I don't think we see Joe Pavelski being like a 40 goal scorer in his mid thirties without Joe Thornton there. Well, yeah, especially since he hadn't, he sort of established himself as like a mid twenties goal guy, maybe thirties at best for years there in his prime. And then all of a sudden they put him regularly with Joe Thornton and he, and he shoots up to 40. So uh, it, it's a very curious coincidence if it is all Joe Pavelski. Yeah, absolutely. And like, we've seen the same thing happen with Jonathan Chichu and Devin Setaguchi and all these guys that are good players, but Joe Thornton makes them great players. And he might be like the best uh, goal producer for his wingers in the last decade in the NHL. I I love Sidney Crosby and he clearly had a huge effect on uh, Pascal Dupuis and Chris Kunitz like point production. Mm -hmm. But in terms of pure goals, I don't think anybody's better than uh, Joe Thornton. Yeah, and, and and that relationship between him and Pavelski really is perfect because you mentioned how uh, he can take a good player and turn him into a great player. But like it, it, it kind of goes a little both ways a little bit. Just p- watching them, Pavelski is so good at finding those open spaces, kind of in that slot area. And obviously, he's known for for the great stick he has with with tips and and sort of hand eye and just being ready for ready in the right place at the right time. So it kind of is is a, a match made in heaven between those two. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd throw like Burns in there as well. That Those three together kind of make this like perfect. The Holy Trinity. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like, you know, Thornton is just this incredible playmaker. And then Burns is like a machine gun from the blue line that just fires pucks all over the place. And Pavelski tips everything or, you know, gets every rebound. 
it's it's incredible. There's a reason why they've had like the best power play in the league in terms of shot attempts for what five or six years now. Yeah, yeah, I know it, it makes a lot of sense. Okay, so we're in the top five here now. Um, who do you have? Let, let, let's go five, four, three, and then we'll we'll do the top two later. So so who do you have uh, in these next three slots? All right, next three slots I have Anzi Kopitar, Patrice Bergeron, and Connor McDavid. Ooh, so you have Connor McDavid third. Yeah, I do. And the only reason why is because as great as he is offensively and in transition, he does like his defensive game is going to need to round out a little bit. And, you know, it's it's tough for me to give him the nod while he is still a teenager as great as he is. Uh, I, I don't think it's a disrespect for Connor McDavid so much as more respect for some of the veteran guys. Yeah, I mean, just. Purely being in the discussion legitimately amongst these names, I feel like is a uh, is a pretty good thing considering how how shortly how how few games he's actually played in the league and how young he is. Like there's, it's uh, I, I'm sure someone might view that as disrespectful, but I think it's a it's pretty high praise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any time that you're mentioned among the guys who regularly win the Selkie, that that's that's a pretty big deal for a 19 year old who's played like 50 games. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Um. I, I I have Connor McDavid fifth, um, so I'm just disrespecting him even more. But I I think that the top four guys were just so tough to crack for me. I think that the first guy is in a tier by himself, and we'll get to him in a second. And then I have the the two 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 to four is sort of um, a a notch below, but they're still just so amazing. And then it's McDavid, and then then the guys we mentioned before. But I think that. Kobatar is interesting. You mentioned him, and I know that in your write-up, you made a great point about how it's his defensive numbers aren't necessarily as amazing as you as you'd think, but it's really sort of the transition game in the neutral zone where he does most of his damage. and And I actually watched very closely for that in the for opening game of the season against the Sharks, just to see if I could kind of pick that apart. And 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 it was it was really amazing once you actually kind of tune into it, the fact that he's just sort of patrolling, he's doing like laps in the in the in the neutral zone there, and pretty much he's like a vacuum if there's a puck around him he's going to take it and he's going to make a great play with it and and it's not a surprise that he's been uh the possession king no pun intended for for years now yeah and one thing that i always like to point out with kobitar is no player no uh forward in the league completes like a higher percentage of their passes mm-hmm. like i don't know if it's just like the insane structure of the la king system because dowdy also has the highest uh pass completion rate among defensemen but they, that team just does not really make mistakes, and their two big leaders at forward and defense are like typifying what that team is all about. And, and you know, Kopitar, he doesn't have the gaudy defensive numbers of Bergeron, but it's almost like there's not as much opportunity to because his team is so much better than the Bruins, even though you know they're starting to thin out a little bit at forward, uh, and and we can see that pretty obviously in in terms of their goal scoring, but. Just the structure that team plays with, I don't think any team, even the Chicago Blackhawks, can even compare to it. Like, it, it's it's truly incredible to watch. Well, I know that it's, you know, people love to, to throw around the underrated tag. This guy's underrated, and, and it's very easy to say. But do you, th- I guess we would still be in agreement that Anze Gobitar probably is underrated just because we have him sort of in this top five uh, centers in the league range. And I think that for a lot of people out there, they might be surprised. They might have some of these guys with flashier uh, point totals and, and highlight reels at higher, uh, higher above him. So maybe he is underrated. Yeah, he probably is. Uh, I mean, I would say that if you put 
Kopitar and Taves in in a poll against each other among like the average NHL fan group. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Kopitar would stand a chance about of uh, finishing ahead of Taves, even though like you know like they both had lots of playoff success, so that isn't something that should push Taves ahead of him. Right. But yeah, I don't think he gets the attention yet, and probably part of that is being or having a weird name, yes. you know, and Anzi Kopitar, and you know, like he's. He's not as a uh, good old Canadian homeboy looking guy, mm. but he's, he's just incredible. And I, I think the main thing with Kopitar that, you know, people don't get to watch him a lot because it's really late w- when LA plays and LA, like their structure is so good that they're almost boring if you're not, if you don't know what to look for. Mm. So that kind of takes it down a notch too. Like Chicago has great structure, but they also play this like high tempo offensive game Whereas LA just like sucks the life out of teams, and as much as that's not necessarily fun to watch, tactically it's just amazing. Yeah, and I mean, let's like I think he started off the year with with Dwight, Dustin Brown and Devin Sitaguchi as his two line mates, and now Dwight King is up there playing with him. Like it's not like he's necessarily had immense talent playing alongside him either. Like he's 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 one of those very few players where you could really just kind of put him in in the middle of any situation with anyone, and I'm sure he would do pretty much just as well as he's doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he did, he does like single handedly qualify Slovenia for the Olympics. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's just, you put them on any team and all of a sudden they're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Evgeny Malkin, I believe. And I, 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 or actually you haven't yet. Do you, I believe you have him second overall then? I do. I do. Yes. Yeah, so I have him fourth. And the only reason, listen, if you told me that I was going to get even 75 to 80 games of Evgeny Malkin this season, I would probably put him second as well but i mean you look at his games played totals and that's something i do generally value if it is sort of um if you're stacking two guys with very similar resumes and you're going which one would you prefer i'd prefer the guy that's probably going to be in the ice more often and he has unfortunately missed so much time over his career but there's some when he's out there there's no question that he's 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 right up there with the very best and he can really kind of just impact the game in ways that very few other guys can yeah, Malkin hasn't hit 70 games since 2012, which is crazy to think about. And he hasn't played a full season since 2009, yep. which is his third year in the league. So he's missed a ton of time. And you're right, that is that is a real knock on him. I wonder how much of it is, you know, him being a little injury prone and how much of it is just the way that he plays. Because I don't think there's anybody in the league that typifies like the 1980s power forward more than Malkin. Mm-hmm. And he, he dangles a little bit more, but... If he tries to enter the zone and somebody's covering him at the blue line, most guys will try to dump it in, but Malkin will just like bowl through you. And I find that like so entertaining to watch. Like Malkin might be my favorite center in the NHL to watch just from a pure offensive standpoint. Uh, Transition play is just incredible, the amount of dangles that he can do and, and at the high speed, right? Like how many times have we seen Malkin break in and he's like one on two, splits the D, scores a goal, and then like ends up crashing face first into the boards because he just doesn't care about his body. Yeah, and and it's remarkable because when you watch him, it's pretty clear that 
I don't know if he necessarily even has this rep, but he really should. He's, he is a very pass-first guy. Like you can tell that he's looking for, he wants to distribute and, and get the puck to his teammates. And really, the last time we saw him kind of just like take it into his own hands was 2011-2012 when Sidney Crosby was out and he scored 50 goals and fired, what, 300, I'm looking at 339 shots on net. So we haven't really seen that sort of um, high-volume shooting from him in, in the years past. And it's because he doesn't really need to, and I, and I think he doesn't really want to. Like, I, I think that he much prefers being that guy that kind of just facilitates and every, everything and everything runs through him and he's so good at it just the size like how he can tower over people and find those passing lanes and then the actual ability to make it happen and the creativity and the desire to do it I mean there's there's you can count the guys on one hand that, that kind of have that entire package yeah absolutely and I find it kind of funny that like Malkin and Crosby both have had like that one 50 goal season uh, Malkin had another one that was 47 but it seemed like both of them were like, we're going to do this just to say that we can, and then we're yeah. going to go back to passing all yeah. the time. Just show that I'm capable of this, and you guys are lucky that I don't always want to do it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I remember people made a big deal of, like, Crosby went from a straight stick to, like, a slight curve, and then he scored, like, 53 goals or something like that. And then the next year, he was like, now nah, I'm done with that. <laughs> <laughs> time to pass again. Yeah. Um, so so I have Patrice Bergeron second, and you mentioned him. Uh, he's also in your top five. Um He's he's remarkable. He he really just does everything really really well. And if you were creating a player in a lab and you were looking for a guy to model after, I mean, you couldn't go wrong making him out look after Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, I feel like unless you're getting Sidney Crosby, like if if you want a guy to build around, like I don't think you could get luckier than taking Patrice Bergeron in the second round of an of an NHL entry draft, like. The the player that he's developed into is just incredible. And I wonder, like, did we miss out on a little bit of, like, his potential from the concussion issues? Like, mm-hmm. could he have been even better than he is now? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point early in his development, if the Bruins had been like, actually, Patrice, we want you to be a defenseman, that he would have, like, four Norris trophies by now. Yeah, Like, he's just, that's the level of defensive dominance this guy has. Like, he's... He's unreal, and like his offense is underrated too. And I think he's kind of done a little bit of a disservice in Boston, especially last year, where their defense has gotten so weak with you know Chara aging. And the only guy that they have that I'd want in my top four is like Tory Krug, and he'd probably be my fourth defenseman on most teams. You're not high on Rob O'Gara? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not high on Kevin Miller either. Mm. But uh, I think that he's had to do so much more than other centers have had to in the defensive zone and like starting breakouts instead of participating in them. And, and it's cut him back a little bit. And it's lucky that they have uh, Brad Marsh on there to, to lead some of the offense because I, I think it's been hard on Bergeron offensively. And if he ha- hadn't had to have that extra responsibility, we'd probably see even better offensive numbers from him. Yeah, and it's pretty cool because I feel like a common denominator amongst a bunch, of the, a bunch of the guys we just listed off is that for whatever reason, either it's because, you know, they're so good that their team felt that they could just stick whoever they wanted beside them or, you know, they're just not enough talent to go around and you got to kind of pick your spots. Like it, it's cool that Patrice Bergeron has actually had a legitimate running mate that sort of plays a similar style and can also just kind of fly with him and, and, and be a great running mate as opposed to some of the other guys. Like, I mean, Malkin for has had a crazy rotating door of, of castmates alongside him. And we just mentioned how Kopitar doesn't really have anyone to play with. And Tavares has had all these different names beside him. So it's kind of cool seeing Bergeron and Marchand just, just light the world on fire together. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I wonder how much better of a player Marshawn is just from, you know, kind of growing up with Patrice Bergeron. Uh, I mean, you look at Marshawn's play away from the puck now, and even to compared to like three years ago, he's so much better. He, he's just sucked up so much information from Patrice Bergeron to the point where, like, is there a better penalty killer in the league on the wing than Brad Marchand? I, I feel like it's a tough, tough, uh, tough thing, tough thing to say that there isn't. Mm, yeah. Who would you even have as number two? Would it be like someone like Max Pacioretty? Yeah, probably. And I think that the nice thing about both of those guys is they're offensive threats on uh, uh, shorthanded situations as well. Although Marchand is a better offensive threat shorthanded. Yeah, I mean, what a novel thought. It's almost like having the puck and threatening the other team to score is also a a very solid uh, defensive approach rather than just kind of lying around your own zone and blocking shots. The old Hal Gill special? Yes, yeah, amazing. What a a time to be alive. Um, (laughs) Okay, first overall, Sidney Crosby. I feel like this is probably the easiest easiest uh discussion we're gonna have to have in this entire series i mean it's a shame right now that he's out with a concussion hopefully he'll be back soon it was a good sign that uh we're recording this on a friday morning it was good that last night he he was able i felt good enough at least to bring out the stanley cup for their uh opening night ceremony and hopefully he'll be back soon but it, it, it's amazing just how remarkably good he is and and i feel like Somehow he's also underrated because I don't know if it's just because he's been so good for so long that it it feels like people are just itching to to push him down this list and you know kind of be like the Sidney Crosby era is over let's get hand the reins over to Connor McDavid or whoever else but Sidney Crosby's still pretty clearly the cream of the crop. Yeah, I think that that's like a weird thing to me and maybe I'm like a little bit defensive because I'm the same age as Sidney Crosby but every time like. After the first game of the or first day of the season, when McDavid had a great night and Austin Matthews had a great night, and everybody was tweeting like, "Oh, the Crosby era is over. He's no longer even a top two guy," you know, like it's it's done. McDavid's the best. Matthews is second best. And I was like, "No, no, he's not old yet. Please, yes, he's not." And like, man, you watch the World Cup, and it's impossible to say that Sidney Crosby is not the best player in the world right now. Like. He's so, so dominant in every way. And, you know, like like I showed in my uh, in my pieces for sports and that his defensive numbers aren't the best, but I think that he makes some sacrifices defensively uh, to produce more offense for the Penguins. And, like, we saw in the World Cup that if he's tasked to play stronger defense, he will. Mm-hmm. And, and he has that ability. I don't know if he has, like... Uh, uh, Patrice Bergeron ability defensively, but I think that he could get there if he really wanted to. Whenever he puts his mind to something, he just does it. You know, like remember when he struggled at at faceoffs early in his career? Yeah, he was like thirty-five percent or something in his first year, and then like two years later, he was like (laughs) sixty-two (laughs) percent. Just incredible. He's like, I don't know if it's just like the pure hard work mixed with talent or what, but there's never been a guy that I've watched hockey where you find a weakness and he's he's already known that this weakness exists and he's already working on improving it and then by the next time the year, like the next year rolls around he's already the best in the league at it yeah. it's just he's so versatile it's unbelievable yeah no he's uh he's amazing listen first overall here pretty 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 handily and and uh hopefully he'll be back soon and we get to enjoy him for the rest of the season um before we end up this discussion let's Give some love to the guys that just missed the cut because I know that some people will be listening and they're kind of wondering why we haven't mentioned these names. And I mentioned Taves as the guy who just missed my list. Um, another guy that I really wanted to put on, but there just wasn't any space because of how deep this crowd is, 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 is Nicholas Backstrom, who I, I, I definitely think deserves some love here. 
Yeah, Backstrom was a lot lower on my list, mm-hmm. um, uh, which surprised me a little bit. But I, I do wonder, you know, obviously he's incredibly talented. And between like the 11th and 20th best center, I think there's very little separation. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder how much of his career has been, or at least his offense has been like, you know, boosted a little bit by playing with Ovechkin. So that kind of knocks him down a little yep. bit for me. Yep. But, uh, you know, Claude Giroux barely missed my list. Uh, and then I've got a couple of risers as well in uh, Mark Shifley and Alexander Barkov that are, you know, knocking at the door there. I think they're potential guys who could be in there soon. Yeah, I think Barkov would be probably the best bet in terms of if we did this list again, even at the midway point of the season, but definitely next year, I feel like he could be very, very close to being in the top 10. And and another guy I'm really excited about is Nathan McKinnon. Um who is a bit down he's probably closer to the 15 to 20 range but i feel like with a new coach and a new season i mean listen we saw speaking of the world cup and kind of reminding us of how good some of these guys can be i mean nathan mckinnon has all the all the tools and all the talents in the world and i feel like if everything clicks and he's utilized properly he could really shoot up this list as well yeah totally and then of course there's austin matthews Mm. who who could be we we don't know you know i mean by the end of the year, he could have like 200 goals based on his pace. Yes. Uh, I think people might be a bit surprised at a name we haven't mentioned at all, uh, Steven Stamkos. And I think deservedly so, not necessarily that he's a bad player by any means, but it's just that when you mention all these other guys and sort of how well-rounded and, and how dominant they are in multiple facets of the game, Stamkos, for whatever reason, just doesn't seem to crack that list. Yeah, and you know, Stamkos is obviously great, but I, I think that Again, he's one of those guys where a major injury has kind of derailed him a little bit because mm-hmm. I, I think earlier in his career, he was a much better transition player than he is right now. And also the amount of time that John Cooper's pushed him onto the wing, like there's just less opportunity to drive transition from the wing than there is at center. It, it's just, you know, the facts. Uh, you're not as deep in the defensive zone defending, so, so you're not uh, involved in breakouts as much. It's it's an interesting question for him, but I think the one thing that really holds Namco's back is that when he doesn't have the puck, he doesn't make much of an effort to get it back. He relies on his teammates to do that, and as a center, that kind of bothers me a little bit. Like I kind of understand looking at his defensive numbers why John Cooper puts him on the wing, mm-hmm. and you know, like, am I saying that Tyler Johnson's a better player? No, but maybe it's probably going closer forward, than you think, though. Yeah, it's it's a lot closer than most people think. I think it's almost a toss-up. But I think that going forward, Stamkos might actually be a better winger than a center. So last year, before I you know like looked at it super in-depth, I kind of thought that Cooper was being crazy. But now that I have, I'm like, you know what? The Lightning have made good call after good call after good call. Time to maybe trust them a little bit that they know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know what? I mean, if Stamkos was just a full-time winger at this point, he'd definitely be in the top 10 on, on that list, just looking at the rest of the names on there. But it's the center group is just so good that it was it was tough to include him there, but I'm glad we mentioned him at least. Um, Andrew, since we ran a bit long here, let's uh, let's let's cut it off here, and we will do the, the wingers on a, on, a, on a future show. Sounds good, man. Cool. The Hockey PDO Cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDOcast. Mm-hmm.